0: All right, everybody. Welcome to our lucky seventh episode of K-Sports Now, the show that brings you everything you need to know in local high school sports. My name is Steve Dederian alongside my co-sports writer here, Matt Goisman. And Matt, April vacation's over. Mm-hmm. We've hit we've hit late April, heading into May. And we have a lot of games to play in the next month, and it really happens so quickly when you think about it. These next four or five weeks basically are going to determine how the rest of the season goes, who's making playoffs. And uh, who's, who's winning getting, their league? Who's and... getting ready for graduation and uh, summertime? <laughs> yeah,
1: exactly. And thankfully, the weather is finally starting to pick up a little bit. It seems like maybe we're through the worst of it, and so actually, these games will be played consistently, and everything will uh, will be a little bit more like what we expect the spring to be.
0: Yeah, I mean, once we hit May, I mean, you've known from past years, things just seem to start rolling. Teams get yeah. into a groove. Mm-hmm. And and that's not to say there aren't some exciting matchups, but you get a better feel of how these teams play out and how some of these matchups are going to play out. So it should, should be a really exciting uh, next couple weeks. And like I said, some of these teams only played yeah. you know, as, as few as like two or three games. <laughs> yeah, not so everybody
1: plays during April vacation. Right. A lot of teams do,
0: but some can't,
1: or they choose to do other things with their time or – they let their kids go off. A lot of seniors use April vacation to scout the colleges they right. maybe got admitted to. So, you know, there are a lot of teams that are going to be starting up play- games this week after, you know, a week, even 10 days off. So that's why this is really the, cre- the key moment because a lot of the momentum of the first three weeks, it just naturally comes to a close in right. April vacation. And now it's sustained action all the way into the playoffs.
0: Yeah, I mean, I remember when I used to run high school track. I mean, this was always around the time where the workouts really started to get intense mm-hmm. because if your team's not off to a great start, all right, you got to fix it. You got to say, "Hey, we need to fix this now before," like I said, you get into that big schedule stretch and there's not a lot of time to practice. So this is a really big week for a lot of teams. Or this past week and then this week are right, a couple of big weeks for a lot of teams because mm-hmm. at a certain point, and when you mentioned track, you're not tapering down yet. You're still kind of ramping up yep. and getting ready for peak performances. So. It should be interesting to see how this plays out, and uh, yeah, but like you did say, we did have some games over the April vacation. Um, Quite an exciting finish for Barnstable on Saturday. Yeah, they Barnstable baseball that is Uh, a six-five winner over Pittsfield. Again, you see with those April vacations, those Mm -hmm. odd matchups. Pittsfield, out in Western Mass, but uh, extreme
1: Western. Great, like, great way
0: to end a week for Barnstable that didn't have a great start uh, for them.
1: Yeah, they're starting to improve for sure. I mean, I've covered two of their games, and both of them ended on walk-off hits and right. seventh-inning rallies. Good luck, John. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> I, which are you know certainly exciting and the confidence building. There right. are still questions and and areas where Barnstable I think really needs to improve. I think you know right. talking to Coach Mark Bonavita afterward, he would. Definitely agree with me on that. But, you know, the things that they need to work on can be worked on. And if they have that don't quit attitude already in place, then as they get more comfortable with each other, as the younger kids get more comfortable with varsity play, they'll already have that as their foundation. And
0: hopefully they'll be able to turn that into more wins. I covered a couple of their walk-offs last year, too, one over Sandwich, one over Falmouth. So, mm-hmm. I mean, it's still kind of refreshing to see, hey, new head coach in this year, this team still has the same drive and dedication to, you know, not think that they're too far out of games to, to rally. And, and as we saw there, they gave up the lead, I believe, the top of the seventh, mm-hmm. and they still right. uh, had the nerve to come back and uh, score two runs to win it. So uh, their rival Falmouth uh, also lost to Dartmouth during the week, 8-5, to five, but they bounced back nicely with wind over pittsfield on Friday and then New Bedford on Saturday. Yeah. Um, really good pitching from uh, Matt Liebichman. Um, mm-hmm. I believe you covered that game. Did you cover that game Friday or no? no. You were, we were reporting on that game Friday. <laughs> uh, good, good outing by by uh, Liebichman there. And um, Fallon seems to be a team in a good spot. I believe five and two. Five and two. Like. They yeah, actually yeah. have the most wins of anybody on the Cape. You know that
1: New Bedford game. Gates Kelleher, really right. great game. Four hits, three RBIs. Kevin Peters, three RBIs. Anthony Carson, four hits. You know. Falmouth baseball team. This is a team with a fair amount of, of returning players and presence, and they are seem to have found an early groove. Uh, and now they'll just be looking to keep that up. Uh, you know, their next game is Wednesday at home against Dartmouth, which there, yeah. yeah, which is uh, looking like a a tough matchup. Dartmouth has beaten Barnstable already this season. They beat Bridgewater-Raynham this season, so uh, you know Dartmouth has had a good couple of years in a lot of their sports, and so this will be a good challenge for Falmouth.
0: Yeah, a couple other interesting games as we got out today. I believe you're off to Upper Cape Mashpee yeah. still, right? So, yeah, talk a little bit about that matchup. Uh, yeah, so Upper
1: Cape Mashpee is a matchup of two of the higher rated teams in Division IV South. Mm-hmm. Upper Cape went to the South finals last year, Mashpee went to the South semis. A lot of people think they were the favorite to win the South, especially after St. John Paul got knocked mm-hmm. out of the playoffs in the first round last year. So,. I think they were actually a little bit disappointed to not make it at least one round deeper and get to compete for a spot in the state tournament. Um, you know, and both have had good starts to their season. Mashby is three and one; they have not lost a game since their season opening upset by uh, Sturgis West. You know, Freddie Hanna is coming off a really good game, an eight uh, four win against Sturgis East. But this was a week from you know it was April thirteenth; it was the Friday before <laughs> April vacation started. But Hannah, seven good relief innings, only one run, a couple hits, a couple walks, three Ks. Jared Barr had three hits in that game. Uh, so Mashpee is really finding their swing. Upper Cape is playing really well, too. They're 4-3. and three. They won the Rotary Cup uh, last Wednesday against Greater New Bedford Vogue, which was the state champion in Division Two last year. So they're showing that they can compete with some of the better teams in the state as well. Miles Duarte had a real good game in that one, including throwing out the tying run on a bad suicide squeeze. Riley Thornell had four innings pitched. He drove in two runs. Hunter Mahoney, you know, had a double, a couple of walks, a couple of runs scored. So Mm -hmm. I'm really looking forward to this. I think this will be a good telling of which of these teams is really continuing its momentum from last year Mm -hmm. and maybe which is rebuilding a little bit more.
0: Yeah, and we'll see. I'm sure the batch will come alive, like you mentioned, with the weather. I think, you know, teams are going to be a little – a little more aggressive with their swings, not yeah. be as picky and just, you know, trying to get the ball into play. And um, and in general, it's easier yeah. to hit when it's warm. Of course. After. I mean, that's a course. pretty
1: accepted just standard of baseball.
0: Absolutely. So um, I don't know if you had anything else on baseball. The St. Yeah. John Paul's
1: still three. Yeah. Nope. They're the other real top team. They host Atlantis Charter today um, at McKeon Park. I don't know that I think Atlantis Charter is necessarily going to be the best, <laughs> the most competitive team they're going to face uh, but you also don't want to have a letdown right. after a week of you know of less play and less competition. So you know maybe this is the way to get them prepared for some of the tougher games they're going to face in the coming weeks. Yeah,
0: and and SJP has games like this on its schedule every year, just from playing in the Cape and Islands League. So I think they know how to focus in and know mm-hmm. hey. You know, let's not worry about the opponent. Let's just do the things we need to do. Yeah, Come think. out here with a victory, and let's keep going. Keep this thing rolling. I agree. So moving on to softball. Interesting weekend for Monomoy softball. They were swept over the weekend by Bishop Fenwick. They lost 4-3 yep. to three and 6-5. to Polly Cherist in the two games combined. 24 24
1: strikeouts. In 14 innings.
0: That's I, not a typo. Yeah. <laughs>
1: that's, I, that's almost two in inning, which, yeah. I mean, and Emma Thatcher was great in both. She was two for three at the plate in both right. games. Look, obviously they were Monomoy's first two losses, and I'm sure that's disappointing. Bishop Fenwick is also a team, though, that is not in their division that they are not going to see in the playoffs. So you take the competition, you learn from it, but I think you also don't necessarily draw too many conclusions on Monomoy. Like, I still think they're one of the stronger teams in D3 South, and Mm -hmm. I think they're going to be – a big threat in the playoffs. And I, that really hasn't changed just because they got swept by Fenwick.
0: Yeah. And I mean, it, and it's cool to see kind of a small school like Monomoy going up and challenging schools yeah. like that. We've seen schools like NASA do that from time to time with their mm-hmm. girls basketball program. And a couple other examples of that as well. But just to see a small school like Monomoy, you know, Hey, you know, we're, we think we're the best team on the Cape. So let's go prove that we're yep. one of the, not just that, we're one of the better teams in the region, mm-hmm. if, if not the state for a small school. So Hey, even though they didn't come out with a win in that one, it's still good to see them going for a challenge like that. And a doubleheader, you don't see a lot of softball doubleheaders in high school. No. Know in college, there's doubleheaders pretty common, much yeah. common. So just it's good you know, preparedness for some of those players who definitely have college potential. Uh,
1: Cherist is going to go somewhere. Yeah. <laughs> I would be shocked if she doesn't right. find a spot somewhere. Probably I would assume D1, but, I mean, if not, I'm certain she's good enough to play D2. Right.
0: You covered an interesting duel early in the week foul with the sandwich. Yeah. Sandwich coming out with 11-9, a uh, bit of a rally win for them there.
1: Yeah, that game was a little crazy. It mostly came down to errors, um, mm-hmm. you know, late in the game. Uh, but, you know, both teams rallied. They went back and forth. One team would go up. The other team would go back. There were, like, two or three – home. I think there were three inside-the-park home runs in that game, actually. <laughs> um, it was a-, a crazy game, but the crowd was kind of into it, and it was fun. I mean, right. you know, I, I think there's – the defense, I think, would be on both teams' mind afterwards. But, uh, you know, those are league matches, Atlantic Coast League matches, and they don't right. want to give those away. You know, Falmouth is Monomoy's opponent today, and they play Nantucket. Uh, they host Nantucket tomorrow. Nantucket is another one of these top teams. They are 4-0 on the kid uh, so far. Their last game was April 11th when they mm-hmm. beat Sturgis West, 14-1. to You know, Madeline Lamb, five-inning no-hitter, um, mm-hmm. 11, you know, She struck out 11 in five innings and no walks. So uh, Lombardi played well. She was three for three, a walk, three runs, three RBIs. Like, this is another team that's really playing well right now. Again, I'm really curious to see what happens when Nantucket starts playing teams like Monomoy, which they Mm -hmm. haven't faced yet, um, because that's probably going to decide the Cape and Islands League.
0: Right. Another matchup I'm really interested in, you mentioned the ACL. Dennis Yarmuth is on Marshfield on Wednesday. Mm -hmm. and. You know, they were and probably still are of the two best teams in the league. And you know, Marshall pitcher, um, Brianna, uh, I'm going to butcher her name here, She's oh, Mel- <laughs> Melcion. She uh, whatever, the Marshall's starting pitcher, right? She threw a perfect game against Falmouth on the 13th. Mm-hmm. Um, just a really impressive showing for her. And, you know, if the Dolphins can somehow pull out that game in Marshall, I think that would make a really big statement. Because, again, this year they're going without the pitcher they've had for so many years, Sammy Feinstein. Yep. So... I'm really interested to see if the bats come alive this week because chances are they're going to need them to, to keep up with Marshfield.
1: Yeah, you know, they're They're at uh, – D.Y. is at Plymouth South today. Their last game before this was also Friday the 13th. It was mm-hmm. – they beat Nossett 14-2 in a, another mm-hmm. league, ACL league match. Maddie Medeiros pitched that one, six strikeouts, six hits, two walks, one earned run. Ava McGaffigan, who uh, really, I think, came on the scene really strong in hockey. I mean, mm-hmm. she played field hockey too, but – uh, well, both of the twins, uh, well, her, her yeah, all, Kayla, all the McCaffigans, I, mean, I think, play field <laughs> hockey. But Ava yeah. and Kayla, yeah, they came on really strong with Dy with the girls' hockey program. Right. They helped them help them go on their, I believe, their deepest playoff run in school history. Right, right. Uh, and now she's uh, playing pretty well in softball. She went four for four against at a couple RBIs and four runs scored. So, you know, if they can get that good mix of pitching and hitting, they got a chance to compete with Marshfield. Um, but yeah, I think Marshfield has had a couple of league wins already and are probably
0: feeling like they can run the table on this one. Yeah, I mean, it's just amazing we talk about these eighth-grade twins, yeah. how much potential and how much future they have ahead of them too. I mean, and, and I, we've mentioned it on the show before. They've said it before that they're just they're just good at every sport they seem to pick up. Yeah. So, um, who knows? Maybe even Paul Funk will be calling one day. Hey, need someone to step in. Oh, they feel lucky for themselves. So no. But, you now, just, just just cool to see that talent. I'm really interested to see where they go down the road. Another game uh, Thursday, Sergis East versus Sergis West. Yeah. Always cool to see. These teams usually actually open up their season against each mm-hmm. other. Uh, it was a little different this year. But, you know, these are two programs. Sergis West has, has been a playoff team in years past. East has gotten in the playoffs as well. Both these teams have a lot of talent. And really, mm-hmm. when they meet, they, these games could go either way. So uh, we'll see what happens there. Uh, boys lacrosse, you know, good showing by Nosset last week, a 13-8 winner over Bourne. I was at that game, mm-hmm. which, by the way, hardly had any voice at that game. <laughs> so kudos uh, for the coaches for uh, putting up with me during that ordeal. Uh, it's back now, fortunately or unfortunately, however you view that. Uh, back to lacrosse. Listeners, let us, <laughs> listeners let us know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> back to boys lacrosse No, So Nosset, good showing, 13-8 winner over Bourne and a 12-5 winner over SJP. You know, Trevor Good, really impressive to to see him play. He was picking corners. I think he picked three corners against Bourne from far distance, too. I mean, 15, 20 yards from the net, Mm -hmm. almost like a hockey player, just finding the corners there, and just a a really good show. He had five goals against Bourne, and uh, this is a team that's rolling, and, and it should be interesting to see tomorrow, Tuesday, they play at Sandwich. Yeah. In a game where we just said before the show, this game could really go either way. Mm-hmm. I mean, both sides have some real impressive talent. Sandwich, we've talked about, a Tim Ladner yeah. a, a won over 80% of draws this year. And, you know, Nass is going to have to find a guy who can cut into those because if is winning every draw, they have guys like Cam Lopes and Mather Negron who are just going to keep putting the ball in the net. Mm-hmm. But Nass, pushback to that is they have some really good midfielders and defenders, Aiden Sullivan leading the charge there. Good can even come back and help with that. And just really all around, Nauset has a solid squad. So four and two, not excuse me, four and one Nauset versus five and two Sandwich. That game four thirty p.m. Tuesday. So, and flip a coin because I think that game could go either way. Sure, it's been nice to see that Nauset
1: program kind of come around. The last couple of years, I could see they had talent, but I think I don't know if they felt like just a little intimidated going against teams like Falmouth or Marshfield or mm-hmm. what. But it always seemed like. There were the top teams in the ACL, and over the last couple of seasons, Nossett was never really in a position to contend for a league right. title. I'm not sure if they're there yet. You probably have a better sense of that than I do, but they're definitely playing much more spirited lacrosse, and it seems like with a new coach has come a new kind of attitude and a new uh, intensity to that team, which is great to see.
0: Yeah, they installed a new offense this year. they have really um, – it's kind of a, similar to kind of a motion-style offense mm-hmm. in basketball, you know, a lot of cutters in there as well, so – it's really interesting to see it work. And then a guy like Good who can shoot from distance, I yep. mean, there's not much you can do on defense. A guy who's going to shoot from distance is that accurate. So mm-hmm. they get the ball in their best player's hands and they and they execute. So, you know, teams obviously figure that out over time, but they have plenty of guys who can also step in, you know, midfielders like Cole Ventimiglia has been key as well there. So, I mean, Nasa this year, they. I mean, again, they've just found their rhythm on offense. You know, they they don't give up easy shots on defense. And uh, that's a big credit to, yeah, Coach Chris Gillhouse, who was an assistant um, for the past few years and then now stepping in as head coach. So uh, this is a big week for Sandwich. So, you know, after that Nasa game, they host Marshfield on Thursday. So really they're going to need one of those two games to be victories mm-hmm. if they want to stay in the chase with the ACL crown because you only have so many of those games. And only have eight, it's so. very hard to make up ground, you know, late in the year. And another game interesting too, uh, we get the some Found with Barnstable rivalry going mm-hmm. on. Six PM Friday night under the lights, you know. It's always fun to see these rivals get together. Um and a little extra rush of being under the lights as well. But really interesting last year between these teams, you know, Found with beat Barnstable seventeen to one in their first matchup, but then about three weeks later, they meet again and Barnesville just fell short, lost fifteen to four. So just goes to show you, really anything Just can fell short and lost 15 and to 15-14, four? sorry. 14, okay. <laughs> <laughs> you get on that one. Yeah, yeah. So really, uh, really interesting to see how these two rivals are going to match up against each other. And Falmouth is rolling pretty well right now. Um, Barstable, they got a win during break, but um, lost to Martha's Vineyard as well. So we'll see how these uh, two teams shape out under the lights of Barstable. That
1: Vineyard game, I believe that was an overtime loss, which right. is – I'm sure, you know, especially disappointing or whatever. You know, Barnstable, they're always kind of up or down. Right. And so if you can be on an upswing when you're playing Falmouth, you have a chance against them. That's probably what the case was last year with that 15 yeah. 14 game. And then, but if you're down, if you're just having an off game, Falmouth can can do some damage. I mean, yeah. Colin Almeida is really good and they can put a hurt on you.
0: And part of it with Barnstable, too, is they have been missing Seb Tilton a little bit, too. He's our main faceoff guy. One of their, if not their, best score. So hopefully he's working himself. Um, excuse me, he's working himself back into the rotation. Mm-hmm. And also barnesville has been juggling goalies too, as well. Michael Bridges and Jack Needham have both gotten starts. So I think Coach Chris Wood is still trying to figure out who's gonna get on a roll here and kind of just you know ride ride the hot hand mm-hmm. the rest of the way. And I don't think he's really found out who that's gonna be yet. So a uh, good performance against Falmouth would probably do it. So we'll we'll see who gets <laughs> the start Friday for sure. Uh, going on to girls across, uh, back to Nasa. The Nasa girls, um, they got themselves to three and three, a nine-seven win over Bourne, and also a ten-seven win over SJP. Melissa Edney and uh, Maddie Daly, um, mm-hmm. four goals apiece against SJP. But uh, Isabel Travers really impressive in goals. She had twelve saves against Bourne, but then seventeen against SJP. Wow. So, um, really impressive showing by her. And <clears throat> excuse me, Nasa, team that you know they been right around that middle of the pack. You know, they get themselves to five hundred and. Hopefully they can ride that momentum going into the future. We'll see what happens there. Daly's having a pretty good spring, isn't Absolutely. she? Absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She's, you know, pretty much the reliable, you know, goal scorer. You need that in lacrosse. But mm-hmm. you have other people like I just mentioned, Edney, who can step in and score too. So um, this good showing by Nosset who really has had to rely mm-hmm. on new players to step up and, and be leaders for them. Uh, found with Academy an impressive romp over Mashby 21-9. You know, we talked about it last week. You know, both of those teams had really good goal scores, but found with Academy just showing their dominance in that one. Twelve goals for Jane Twelve goals already? for Jane early, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, um, almost, I mean, really it almost isn't even fair with early, you know, a senior who we say it, she's not going to Boston College but does have that D1 potential mm-hmm. going against Mashby's offenders, who a lot of them are 8th and ninth graders. Yeah. So, you know, it, it, it's a learning experience for Mashby, but – at the same time, maybe they take that experience and say, hey, we're not going to face anyone like that, at least on the Cape, the rest of the way. So Sure, but if Mashpee gets to the playoffs, they very well could play Falmouth Academy again. So. Right, but what I mean is that the rest of the regular season, yeah. I mean, it's, it's one of those things where you, you just take what you can out of that game. It's still nine goals. I mean, it's... They still had some of their offense going with Palermo and, and Hendricks, but obviously they can only do so much mm-hmm. <laughs> going against uh, Dem- Hurley and Ramsey. There,
1: the thing with girls lacrosse is because there is so many rules about contact and how little you're allowed to even touch the other s- the stick of the opposing player. Right. If your offense isn't really in gear, if you really don't have dynamic scores who can right. do a lot of work on their own, or maybe you know get do a lot of work and then dish it for it to somebody else to pass, yeah. you're really going to struggle. You know, in mm-hmm. boys lacrosse you can check you can push you right. can keep the score down it's very hard to have low scoring games and girls across because it's so easy to dr- it's not easy but there are strategies that will get you a free position shot right. a direct shot at the goal can only
0: be so aggressive yeah exactly because you don't want to be given talented scorers free position shots exactly because they're going to score more times than not pretty much yeah <laughs> So another interesting match. So we got Barnstable. We our first installment of uh, Falmouth versus Barnstable. Actually, mm-hmm. later today, Barnstable girls are at Falmouth. Falmouth still undefeated. Yep. Really interested to see where this team could go because it really does seem like the sky's the limit for them so far. Quinn O'Rourke, I think
1: – I'm not going to say this is a breakout year because she's been very strong in multiple sports for right. Falmouth. Right. But she seems to be having a really, really good spring. Better maybe even than last spring when – they tied for the ACL title for the first time. I mean, last year was Falmouth's best
0: season as a program. Right. And you talked to her back in the fall. I think you actually did a, a small little video interview with her. She really seems to – no game, no situations too big for her. Mm-hmm. It just seems to really have her head on her shoulders there. And that's the kind of leadership you need out, out of some of your best players. So, Falmouth,
1: I think, in both lacrosse and field hockey, is a team that really stresses spatial awareness. I remember talking to uh, um, Courtney Lima. Yeah, I think the Falmouth uh, girl uh, field hockey coach in the fall, and she talks about how much passing was critical, and and how much they don't want to be carrying the ball too much on any one player stick. And I imagine a lot of that same spacing just translates naturally right. to
0: uh, girls across. Right. And three games this week for them, so they have Barnstable today, and then they're hosting DY on Thursday, and then they're going at bridgewater Rain on Saturday morning. So mm-hmm. that should be an interesting matchup at BR and an old colony league team, bit of a bigger school. So. Yep. Uh, We'll see how they match up then. A um, little bit of track I just wanted to mention. You know, there wasn't a whole lot, actually, if any, over the break. Um Bored track a Tuesday- bit, Yeah, track Tuesday, if you will, uh, this coming week, though. Barsipal Girls are at, at Bridgewater Raynham The boys host Bridgewater all mm-hmm. um, Always good athletes on both sides. Uh, sandwich at DY, interesting to see those um, ACL matchups. A lot of talent in there as well. And then Nasset at Falmouth also on Tuesday. And, and like I mentioned before, you know, a lot of these track athletes are coming off of, break where if you're not an upperclassman and, you know, looking at schools or going on vacation, mm-hmm. you're in there, you know, working out and, yeah. and really getting after it during that, you know, time because there's no meat there. So
1: Or you're doing running on your own. I right, mean, exactly. You know, I would imagine all of these distance, you know, these mile teams and, and
0: two-mile runners, that's what they're doing a lot of in, in the spring, right. in the spring break. Mm-hmm. So um, I don't know if you have any other high school stuff you had prepared on. There's a couple of stuff I wanted to go kind of off script a little bit on, okay. on high school. Yeah, so we had a Patriots event over um, over the mm-hmm. vacation week, which was interesting. So the Patriots held a free football and cheer clinic at the Joint Base Cape Cod. There's always a whole bunch of names of the bases. My first experience going there, mm-hmm. and quick story, I actually went to the wrong gate. I'm greeted by a soldier, very nice guy with an assault rifle. So that was a little intimidating, knowing I was at the wrong gate. But he did point me in the right direction, and I found my way. But the cool thing about this clinic, though, is that four current Patriots were there: David Andrews, mm-hmm. Joe Thune. we both were on the starting offensive line. Where there are Marquis Flowers, he yep. played in the Super Bowl as a linebacker. And then Ted Karras, you know, one of those guys filling in on the line. And you know, it was funny. You know, the guy who runs this, Pete Brock, he's the president of the Patriots Alumni. Association, saying when they look for players to volunteer and do this, it's always the offensive linemen who step up first. It's kind of one of those, you know, they're just they're big guys, but they're really friendly, mm-hmm. and you know, they were willing to talk to us as well. But we're really nice with the kids. One kid from Santa even knocked down Joe Thune during a blocking drill, <laughs> so uh, it was really really cool to see they were having a good time with it. But obviously, I was obliged to ask some questions too about sure. you know the Patriots' future. Right now, the big thing is is Tom are Tom Brady and uh, Rob Gronkowski coming back? And Coy, as usual, as I'm right. sure they're taught to be. You know, they're just focused on themselves. They were back this, this past week for the beginning of OTAs and basically just workouts and meetings and stuff like that. But still good to see them get back their time and, mm-hmm. and to spend it on the Cape. This is the first of 22 free clinics that they do. Wow. And the reason they started on the base is that it's um, the month of – I'm going to butcher this real quickly. It's the month of the military child, I think, or something like that. So mm-hmm. honoring children and families who sure. sacrifice so much as well. With, with their loved ones um, serving, sure. so yeah, so it's just a way to give back, you know, the mm-hmm. Patriots do a lot with salute to service and stuff like that, so it was cool to see this is where this thing was being kicked off and you know, it, it, these are free clinics that happen all over New England, and if nothing else, the kids walk away with free t-shirts. Yeah, and so. they get to meet some Patriots. I, Absolutely. If I was a little kid, I'd enjoy that. Right, and it's so funny, too, to see that dichotomy, because there's former Patriots there, too, so guys like Steve Grogan, Steve Nelson, yep. you know, hear big applause from the from the parents when they hear them. And the introduce. kids have no idea who they are. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and a lot of these kids are so young that they still don't even know fully who these Patriots, now, if Tom mm-hmm. Brady showed up, yeah, chances sure. are, you know who the, these kids would have a clue who they are, but... You know, you say Patriots, these are professional athletes, mm-hmm. and they're in first class all the way. So we were inside the hangar, luckily. I was worried this thing was going to be outside at first. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so at least we're inside, and uh, it's interesting driving through that base. You really do feel like you kind of unlocked a secret level of Cape Cod, because mm-hmm. not everybody gets to see uh, what that base is like, and it does take up a huge chunk of Cape Cod. Be nice if it was open while this traffic's going on here, but can't <laughs> win them all, right? Right. <laughs> um, a couple quick points, too, you know, back to the Cape League and we're to do a little Cape League corner here. Um, uh, Oakland A's pitcher, Sean Manea, pitched a no-hitter against the Red Sox mm-hmm. on Saturday night. For the Hyannis players, Fiamma, a
1: star for them.
0: Yeah, he pitched for the Hyannis Harbor Hawks in 2012. He was actually the league's top prospect. Mm-hmm. And you look now, that's not an easy award for a pitcher to win. I mean, usually you see that go to either someone's got the best average or most mm-hmm. RBI or something like that, but – Um, And I think that's one that's voted
1: on by scouts that attend the games. So you really have no idea what exactly they're looking for, who they're there to scout for, what kind of positions they're looking for. So, you know, you can can take a pretty good guess at who the MVP will be or who the pitcher of the year will be a lot, but you never know exactly what the scouts are evaluating on. Um, so
0: and it's sort of just by their consensus, and that's all very hush hush mm-hmm. until it's revealed. And to no hit the Red Sox, who have been hotter than any other team in the majors right now, mm-hmm. and that was really impressive to see. Um, our thoughts are also with Danny Farquhar. You know, on Friday night he suffered a brain aneurysm while he was in the dugout of that game. You know, he was in critical, stable condition as of yesterday Sunday. Um, after over, <laughs> he went underwent surgery to to reduce the swelling in his brain. So very serious injury. Yeah. He pitched for the Highridge Mariners in 2007. So again, seeing that Cape League connection there, mm-hmm. we hope he's okay, and obviously we're not worried about when he's getting back to that mound, we just hope he can walk out of the hospital in one piece. So, mm-hmm. scary thing to see here, but kind of puts life in perspective a little bit, that these guys, you know, anything can happen, and, you know, brain aneurysms, unless you have a certain test for it, yeah. it can happen to anybody, so uh, a real scary moment there, and we hope uh, he's okay. And the other other thing this this weekend, the Seagulls 4-ball championship kicked off, and uh, Scott Nickerson, a former Barnesville baseball coach, said it best when the weather for this time of year, mm-hmm. sunny and clear skies, it was an A plus. Yeah. And especially it,
1: after the week like leading I know. up to it. Not
0: a lot of people have been playing golf, at least around here beforehand, mm-hmm. but it really is a reunion because I mean this tournament is the kickoff to competitive Cape Golf mm-hmm. to, to start the year. And and at Hyannisport Club, that's where the season kind of ends too with yep. the Cape Cod Amateur. So this is really a kickoff. A lot of old friends get to say hi to one another. And really just have a great time. You know, nobody – really, I noticed getting mad, and there were some moments where people probably wish they had a shot back. Mm -hmm. But I I think that's
1: golf. Yeah, but
0: these guys are competitors, and and they want to win. But they also – they enjoy who they're playing with, mm -hmm. and they just have a good time with it. And as
1: you say, I think some of them are happy to be out. I mean, I know that golf courses on the Cape, they try to stay open in the winter and the, Mm -hmm. and the, the early spring when they can. But if the weather has been like what it's been like on the Cape for most of March and April, up until like the last four days, nobody's going to want to come out to golf. So Mm -hmm. I think everybody was also just a little stir crazy to get out on the courses finally. And people
0: were still in long sleeves, but it was a comfortable long sleeve, you know? And people sometimes wear in polo, uh, long sleeves under their polo. So kind of like, I guess that's classy casual, right? Sure. Whatever, you want not? to go with that. Uh, tournament continues with quarterfinal play on this coming Saturday. And then it ends Sunday with the semifinals and the finals. All that is at Hyannisport Club. Very scenic place. You look right onto Nantucket Sound there. Mm-hmm. Not far from Craigville Beach. Um, but what was interesting though the defending champs missed the championship flight, so we're gonna have a new champion this year. We'll, we'll see what happens there. But I'll tell you though, every time I'm on the golf course covering these, I almost want to go out there and play a few holes myself. <laughs> Can't really do that, but you know, it, it it is cool to be out there and just experience and enjoy the nice weather. But uh, big shout out to tournament director Dave Wilson though, and Andy Lane. You know, just being accommodating for me over the last few days. Mm-hmm. And, uh, thanks for everything, guys, and uh, we'll see you next weekend. So I think that just about yeah. wraps it up for uh, Episode 7. Uh, we'll be back next week for uh, Crazy 8, I guess. Sure. Hopefully we have a crazy episode. Uh, we'll come up enough. with
1: puns related to the number for each yeah, episode coming up. Got um, to keep it fresh. <laughs> be sure to check us out on uh, CapeCodTimes.com slash sports or check out the print edition of the Cape Cod Times for both Steve and my and everybody's you know, continuing coverage of Seagulls, of uh, high school sports, of the Cape League come the summertime, which is – much closer than anybody <laughs> thinks. I mean, we're really only about six weeks away from the start of the Cape League season, um, so be sure to check that out. Uh, I'm Matt Goisman. You can find me on Twitter at, at MattGoismanCCT. That's M-A-T-T-G-O-I-S-M-A-N-C-C-T.
0: And I'm Steve Dudarian. You can also find me on Twitter at Steve underscore Dardarian. That's D-E-R-D-E-R-I-A-N. And if you have any recommendations for the show or anything you uh, want us to discuss, feel free to leave a comment in the Facebook Live You can also email us at sports at keepcaughtonline.com. Matt, we'll uh, see you next week. Absolutely. Bye. Just going to run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go
1: to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan.